You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. Coming to you again live from the bunker as we <laughs> continue to survive the quarantine and our own fading sanity. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think for you, you're you're a lot more social than I am. So, you know, for me, eh, I'm good at social distancing. <laughs> I do that shit anyway. Like, if... If it's not you, or my girlfriend, eh, your wife, and <laughs> then the friends <laughs> that I haven't seen in a long time, like, just due to conflicting schedules and stuff, like, you know, people's like, dude, like, why are you avoiding me? And it's like, I don't avoid people, like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just... I don't know, man. Like, like I say, you're at least still, like, having to go into the office, you know, most days, where I'm... Working from home, like, it's like, I don't have a break from, like, not being here, <laughs> which is driving me crazy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's I mean, why I'm if... sneaking off to the shop, like, every single chance I get. Shh. Theoretically. Allegedly. <laughs> if you stop me, I am on definitely on essential business, so fuck off. So, uh, speaking of essential, what are we smoking this week, Brad? So essentially, we're smoking a little cigar named uh, by a maker named AJ Fernandez. We're smoking the Maybe Bella Artis Maduro Fuego. Figurado. Fuego. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is uh, the 2020 TAA exclusive from AJ. It's a you know, like I said, a Maduro version of the Bella Artis in a special double tapered. Uh, perfecto size uh that you know that's previously not been offered in and i gotta say this figurado kind of size and shape it's we don't get and it's a box press one too so it's like kind of like torpedo at both ends and then box press the rest of the way and it's just kind of a you know you, you, you're like it definitely makes you feel like you're smoking a fancy cigar like yeah. it doesn't like i don't know it, it's not one that it's just like Hey, this is my average go-to, you know? I mean, most of the time, I'm pretty much, you know, a 660 kind of guy, and then you start getting into these funky box presses, and then I'm like, oh, but now I can use my V-cut, and oh, it's got a little pigtail. How cute. Like, <laughs> now I want bacon. Ooh, bacon. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, but this is going to sport a dark Brazilian wrapper with Mexican binder and Nicaraguan filler. Only a 1,000 boxes are being released of these TAA exclusives. And if you're here in Georgia, uh, our local cigar shop, the cigar shop, is one of those TAA retailers. Uh, if you're not familiar with the TAA, is it's the the Tobacconist Association of America. There you go. Those are the words I was looking for. Which meets once a year uh, to kind of discuss like issues in the retail uh, uh, community, and they always have like exclusive, you know, get together and buy like exclusive cigars just for their club. And, and by club, I mean, you know, those retailers' stores. And uh, unfortunately, because everything that occurs in the summer this year has been canceled, 
this year's big TAA meeting in Mexico was unfortunately canceled, but they still managed to have a virtual meeting like all the rest of us are being forced to and still got their exclusive cigars for the year. So if your state has a, you know, Google it, figure out where your local TAA retailer is, you can still get some of these cool exclusive cigars that come out here early summer usually. Just leave your Ronas at home. Yep, the only Rona you need is the one from the bar. Yeah. yeah and people are like, hey man, freaking Corona stock's going down because people are afraid to drink Corona because of the virus. I'm like, dude, I didn't drink Corona to begin with. It's because it's a shitty beer, but... <laughs> I feel like we it's safe. I think we may have uh, talked about that before. <laughs> All right, it's funny. People are stupid. So right one off thing... the thing, uh, no, I, I gotta say, dude, like just to pick this up, there was a wonderful plumage on this cigar. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah, and it's like the, I always love a good Maduro, and this thing is like just dark, oily. Like, I mean. I, I'm digging it so far. Just you know, in the early, I mean, early it, it, stages. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're recording a little bit earlier than we normally do. But it it seems like it's coming out. You know, packing a bit of a punch. You know, there's a a little bit of a lingering spice on the tongue, and uh, you know, and that, and you know, behind the scenes, we are recording on Easter Sunday. So normally, when we pick up these review cigars, we go to the shop, we have a cigar, and then figure out what we're going to review. After Maybe we by go the time for we lunch, get to the review. It's like we've already between lunch and our morning cigar, we've already blown out our taste buds for today. So we're actually smoking this on a fresh palate, <laughs> so we get all the flavors today. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the difference. Maybe we should start doing that more often. <laughs> but that means we're smoking less, and um, I'm not okay yeah, with that. I can't, I can't recommend you do that, but I can recommend StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use your promo code CigarNerds for twenty percent off your order. Keep you caffeinated when you have nothing else to do. <laughs> uh, and uh, another thing to keep you entertained while you're stuck at home, since all your concerts are now canceled or moved, let's watch movies about music. And I ain't talking musicals, because, you know, I, I, I watch that freaking... Uh... You ain't talking about love, either, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but movies about bands, either fictional, real... Rock docs, something just to add some, you know. Well, I mean, music what? to your life. Yeah, absolutely, cause uh, you know, music soothes even the savage beast. Um, or it fires it up, matter how. <laughs> absolutely, but um, yeah, you know, one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about once we get into that segment too is, you know, you used to go to concerts, and I mean, it was not only the band, but I mean, there was a whole theatrical. Sp- spectacle happening alongside it so i want to talk about some of that too like and with that let's get on with the show Yeah. 
welcome back. Are you ready to rock? The most iconic phrase in every <laughs> rock opening ever. Yeah, or uh, insert city name here. Yeah. <laughs> Cleveland, are you ready to rock? <laughs> We're in Kansas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, uh, this week we're talking about movies involving bands. You're not to be confused with musicals like, you know, the freaking show, Greatest Showman damn movie that kids forced me to watch far too many times. So basically what you're saying is we're about to just start talking about Spice World. Well, it was a movie about a band. <laughs> and where are they now? Uh, is it one of them like, in, like you know, doing political shit over in England? I don't know. I know one of them married a, married a, uh, a uh, soccer player. That's about all I know about where the Spice Girls are these days. <laughs> well, you know more than I do. So congratulations. I mean, I did watch that Spice World movie back in the day. This because they were, they were hot in their prime. <laughs> but no, that Spice World was not one of the uh, movies that we took a look at. Uh, I would say first off, you know, because since there are no new movies coming out, we've kind of digging through the backlog of Netflix that uh, and uh, Prime and whatnot to to get our entertainment. And a movie that came out, uh, was it about this time last year? Uh, it was like March 18th uh, of last year. The theatrical version of the story of Motley Motherfucking Crew. <laughs> yeah, I mean... A.K.A. The Dirt. I mean, I'll, I'll say, like, when this was first rumored to be happening, I was like, all right, I'm intrigued. Um, you know, like, I don't know, I used to have, like, the three DVD set of the fucking Carnival of Sins tour that Motley Crue did. And, <laughs> you know, just all the standard, you know, debauchery that you would, you know, associate with, you know, Motley Crue in their prime, you know, with. Like, oh yeah, it's like you know, growing up. I mean, up. At, that, that was almost a rite of patch, passage. I mean, you know, it's like I'm not sure if people went f to Motley Crue to see Motley Crue, or if they just went to see, you know, how many women were topless in the crowd. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like you know, I don't know. I guess music may have calmed down these days, but back in like the 80s and 90s, like especially the 80s, like rock excess was this legendary. It's like you know. People destroying hotel rooms, doing like, I'm pretty sure there was a drug shortage in the '90s because all the bands did all the drugs like in the '80s and and like <laughs> ran out. Uh, but yeah, it's like Motley. Like you, we've all heard these stories of the sh crazy shit rock bands did back in the day, and they're you know, and reading the book, which as fucked up and weird as the movie is, like. I mean, there's so much more in the book that you're like, holy shit, how are these guys still alive? <laughs> and then being able to see, like, you know, like, if you didn't know this movie was based on, you know, from real stories, you're like, this has got to be fake. No, no one could go through the shit these guys went through and live. <laughs> I don't know. It almost reminds me, and I'm sure we'll get into it later, you know, the 
kind of the the famous quote, you know, from Almost Famous, I'm a golden god. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, I mean, that was the thing, man. I mean, you know, your, your rock star idols, I mean, they were larger than life. I mean, you know, like, these are people that I still look up to today as a guitarist and a musician and stuff that's like, that could be me. <laughs> Except, you know, I'm, I'm more close to, like... I miss the 18, 19-year-old prime, so, you know, I'm going to be more the, the washed out. But, I mean, that's often, like, like my gauge of seeing a live act, you know, if I go, you know, to a bar or something, and it's like, oh, shit, everybody's drunk, and nobody in band can keep time rhythm, you're not cut out for the big time. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, the yeah. fact that these people could, you know, even begin to put on shows and everything else in the, the state of mind, it's like... Oh, yeah, just so much, especially there's... Uh, like the and the, I guess the storytelling of it kind of jumps. I mean, primarily it's told from Nikki Six's voiceover and perspective. But there's like parts of the movie where it jumps around and has like different members of the band kind of telling the story. And the one where it jumps to like Tommy Lee and he's like, he's like, you want to know what's like really like being on the road? He's like, here's my day to day, and he's like. Wake up, handcuffed to the bed. Remember nothing. <laughs> like freaking, uh, go to you know, go to the show. You know, get really drunk after the show. We go to the you know next town. Go to the nearest strip club. Do all the drugs, all the drinks, and fuck everything. Go back to the hotel. Redecorate. And he like trash the hotel. Get in a fight with Doc. Get punched out and handcuffed to the bed. Wash and repeat. You know, and it's like, <laughs> and those guys, it's like, uh, like just freaking on like. Back then, it was like just friggin' stayed on tour, and it's like you know. And I, I kind of like too how the movie starts off just kind of showing the rock and roll excess, and you're like, oh, it's got to be awesome to be Motley Crue, and then you get into like the '90s when like the constant touring, the drugs, all starts taking their toll, and you're like, oh shit, like these guys actually went through some like. You know, it wasn't all like rock and roll. Everything well, is awesome. I mean, that was it's a, like, like they were, they went some like mid movie. You know, it's like everything kind of went like real dark, and it gave like a good kind of just narrative to the story, even though it's all true. Well, I think <laughs> like for me, you know, one of the most interesting things was, um, you know, a, a little little known vocalist uh, director D. Snyder. And, you know, I can remember that, you know, like him t having to do congressional hearings and testify because, you know, they were trying to censor all of the, you know, the metal, the lyrics and it's everything deemed, you know, um, just um, uh, obscene. And it's like, what is the word obscene? Like, yeah. you know, I assume all of you guys go home and, you know, have sex with your wives and everything else. Like, what's obscene? You know, um, yeah, because rock and roll had to deal with that. You know, we saw it again in the '90s with like when gangster rap became a thing, and like you know, Two Live Crew and NWA and all these guys were, you know, getting arrested for obscenity charges. But you know, rock and roll started that shit back in the <laughs> like, you know, I I mean, it's just you know, kind of crazy, you know, to to think about. But then you like you see this guy that you know has such a persona, and then you see him, you know, testify in you know Congress and everything else, and it's like. Holy fuck, where did the lawyer come from? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, you know... Well, it's like Alice Cooper, man. You ever see interview? I mean, he's like a really smart dude, but he, you know, on stage, he's like this, you know, gothic weirdo. But he's like, fucking, he's like 
real intelligent, like, you know. <laughs> you well, know, I mean, that's just like, you know, bands like, um, you know, fucking Iron Maiden and stuff like that, you know, doing Flight of Icarus and, you know, all of, like, <laughs> these things, you know, that are poetic. And, dude, I, I'm, I can remember, like, for my final in Brit Lit class, I did a cover of an Iron Maiden song, and my teacher's like, that's fucking it. Like, even if you butchered the song, like, I'm still giving you an A in my class. Like, <laughs> you know, just the fact that you were able to take something from a heavy metal band, you applied it into, you know, fucking British literature and everything else. And I'm like, well, you're, you're kind of naive because most of these artists and writers and everything are pretty fucking intelligent. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And this, uh, you know, as far as the dirt goes, uh, we got Douglas Booth as Nikki Six, Iwan Rion as Mick Mars, which he does an excellent job of playing Mick Mars. You may know him from like Game of Thrones and uh, was it the uh, oh, that was it the the Inhumans uh, on ABC last year. Daniel Weber as Vince Neal and uh, Colson Baker as Tommy Lee, aka. Machine Gun Kelly, the rapper. Yeah. Which I gotta did, say, did anybody actually know what his name was? No, not until I watched. <laughs> it's like, and you know, freaking uh, Danny Weber playing Vince Neil when he goes through the like, you know, when he gets kicked out of the band, and yeah, after he, you know, because he feels guilty because he killed, uh, uh, freaking what's the name from uh, Hanoi Rocks, uh, and then his, you know, when his child dies of like cancer, it's like the. I mean, I was like, damn, that dude can freaking act because it's like i'm you know his performance is like freaking heartbreaking at that point in the movie and then uh freaking machine gun kelly for somebody who's not an actor did an excellent job of being tommy that dude especially like the mid 90s tommy lee i'm like fuck he looks just like tommy lee like i i'm pretty sure like they were they were hanging out together like you know (laughs) taking notes and everything like (laughs) i mean in the credits they show him like going into his trailer he's like What's up, dudes? And then Tommy Lee comes out, and it's like almost like the same like voice. What's up, dudes? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I was like, I did do like a perfect like he just embodied Tommy Lee in this movie. And this whole thing was directed by Jeff Tremaine. You may know that name uh, from a little TV series and movie called Jackass. Like I didn't know he was a real director. <laughs> like how much directing is involved in like telling Knoxville to go hurt himself. And then he does brings out a movie like this. Like, Oh shit. Jeff Mer- Tremaine is actually a, I guess he learned something all those years doing weird fucking MTV videos. Well, I mean, dude, you're talking about fucking Motley Crue. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, like I'm pretty sure the epitome of their stage stunts <laughs> and lifestyle, it, you know, it's like, Hey, these guys are pretty fucking crazy. So let me just do a, a a TV series with guys that are pretty fucking crazy, just doing five minute skits. Yeah, I mean, you know, like... <laughs> I was like, I love that quote in the movie when they're uh, uh, they have they they go on their first big tour opening for Ozzy, and the guy playing Ozzy does a perfect Ozzy. I mean, he looks like eighties Ozzy, and when he comes out and he's like drunk as shit and wearing a sundress and he's like let uncle ozzy t- you know get around boys you know no it's your first tour and all but you got to be careful with all the drugs the drinking and the women that shit can really fuck you up man as he's like completely shit-faced and then he snorts a line of ants and drinks his own pee <laughs> well i just want to state for the record that 
Ozzy was able to bite the head off a of bat, and he didn't try to fucking wipe out, you know, the world. So, you know, these fucking people in China need to step their fucking weight up, okay? Learn from the metalheads out there. Like, if you're going to eat your bats and shit, like... You got to down it with, like, cocaine and vodka to, exactly, to purify like, your system. <laughs> do that shit legitimately, all right? You uh, know? But I like that, like, after uh, you cuts to uh, their the guy playing their manager, Doc, he's sitting there on, like, the hotel balcony watching them, like try to drink pee and stuff at the and he's like he just looks at the camera he's like i managed bon jovi kiss and like names off all these like legendary rock bands he's like no one and i mean no one put me through the hell that motley Crue did (laughs) but i mean i I don't know i mean that was another one you know that really you know took a lot of flack back in the day was kiss you know i mean and speaking of you're talking about the uh uh D. Snyder uh, having to testify for uh, Congress when they're talking about their album where they came out with a shout at the devil and people like churches and everything are protesting. Oh, this is satanic. And they're like, hey, we call the song shout out at the devil, not shout with the devil. <laughs> I'm like, I like that defense. That's <laughs> that's a good, uh, good point you made there. Yes. I mean, that's, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. You know, um, but I mean, you know, luckily, like a lot of the bands, you know, we're able to break through, you know, the the censorship and everything of that nature. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't think without those movements, like, you know, think about it, like from movies, you know, if you're in the horror genre or if you're, you know, video games, you're dealing with anything, you know, fucking, you know. Resident Evil, you know, Call of Duty, like, all of these games would be battling all the censors and everything else if it wasn't for bands paving the way and, you know, getting laws and things, you know, passed for freedom of expression and things of that sort. Like, what a different climate it would be if, you know, rock and roll was not, you know, such a key player in, you know, the the 70s and 80s like yeah i mean rock and roll has always been like the and i mean even back in the 50s like your yeah. your, your bands like you know doo-wop bands and things of that nature like we're getting a lot of flack because it's like oh no girls girls are shaking from the waist down yeah, uh, i mean elvis used to get in trouble yes. for shaking his nuts on tv and they're like <laughs> oh no there's too much pelvis shaking it's like rock and roll has always been like the 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 music of revolution you know it's like you know and like i said when it got you know went from like you think you look at you listen to Elvis and you know Fats Domino and all these like fifties bands. You're like oh, that's all weak now, but that was like the metal of the day. You know, yes. They were fighting you know censors and whatnot. Like, could you imagine the first person that like introduced the world to an electric guitar and actually applied distortion to it? <laughs> like, <laughs> holy shit! Like, oh my god, <laughs> this is a thing of pure evil. <laughs> And then you get up and like says the harder stuff of the '60s and the '70s, and you know, like the you know, death metal and you know, you know the stuff that, like so Alice Cooper and Kiss and all these bands that were today are like this is considered classic rock, you know, to our generation. But back then, that was like I said the the uh, the music of the oppressed youth, <laughs> and they had to fight the the establishment to well, get heard. I mean, I can, I can remember when, you know, Slayer came on stage. <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember, you know, my parents, like the the first Slayer CD, and they, they caught, you know, a couple of verses and stuff. And, you know, it's like, 
you know, just the, the outrage and the turmoil, and I'm like, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like, you know, I, I was raised by my grandparents. It was funny shit because I would listen to some, like, you know, heavy shit or even like gangster rap back back then and like she liked the music but she couldn't understand a word they were saying so she'd be like yeah this is pretty good and they'd be talking about you know the devil and everything else and she just like you know couldn't understand the lyrics so it's like i got away with it all (laughs) she's like i like the music i don't know what they're saying but the music's pretty good (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yay for (laughs) open-mindedness yeah i like that guitar (laughs) uh but yeah, the, the, the dirt for anybody that hasn't seen it, absolutely, you know, recommend it. Um, I don't know. It, it's one of those films where it's like, I could do that. <laughs> and it's like, the, t- I mean, hell, Nikki Six, like, he got bad into heroin and, like, almost died. Ed, like, literally took two shots of adrenaline to bring him out of it. And then they write, you know, the greatest album ever, you know, the, the freaking, uh, you know, their first number one album and like kickstart my heart. Yeah. You know? It's like, I almost died. Ah, there's a song about this in here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and there's one of those people, they were awesome as a band and they were just kind of shitty as people. <laughs> it was, it was like, we've got to stay on tour or we're going to die. <laughs> it's like when we're, when we're not like, you know, living, it's like, it's like, Oh, everything just kind of goes to shit. But yeah, that, uh, I mean, it was like after the first time the movie came out, like I said, I was already like a Motley Crue fan, but like I said, it's just that it, uh, like I, I was on like listen to that music so much after watching that movie, it just kind of re re-energized everything. And I do like how the, you know, you as an audio engineer probably picked this up, uh, the way the music sounds change as the movie goes on. Cause it went, cause they, the Act, most of it's actual Motley Crue or, or bands playing Motley Crue songs. So it's, but they actually learn to play the music. So when you're watching them, it looks like they're playing the music. You may not be getting well, like the audio of them all the time, but as they progress, when it starts off, nothing kills me more as a guitarist. And the Super Bowl is a prime example. Fucking Little Wayne is a prime example. <laughs> like all of a sudden. Hey, we're gonna put a guitar in this person's hand, and one, either the fucking thing's not plugged in, or two, like as a guitarist, you watch the fingers, and it's like, oh, let me play that. That's not even a real fucking thing, and sounds like shit. <laughs> yeah, so it's like they learn to play the music. So even if you don't hear them playing the music, it looks like they're playing the music. Which well, is, I mean, it, that was one of the. But things... then when it starts off, when they're just a shitty club band, it sounded different. It was the same hits, but it had that kind of amateur noise to it but by the time they hit where they're playing theater and stadium it sounded like Motley well dude Crew. i can remember you know when i was a teenager playing you know different clubs and stuff like that you know there were a couple of you know hardcore clubs you know bands and stuff that i was in high school we would play and what was the first thing you did gain turned to 11 amp volume turned to 11 and it didn't matter what it sounded like because it was so fucking loud <laughs> that you yeah. nobody was able to make any semblance of it's like you you don't need a fucking bassist because you can't hear that guy and half the time he doesn't show up anyway uh the drummer's back there somewhere but we've just about drowned his ass out and 
The vocalist is screaming to high hell, but he passed out due to the lack of oxygen because he's trying to scream over all the guitars and shit. Like, but yeah, I was like, I like how they didn't just make it sound like album perfect Motley Crue right from the start. They they left that kind of noise in there until they got to where they were freaking Motley Crue. <laughs> but I mean, that's that, you know, I mean that that's just a a testament of. Like, I guess that's the thing that makes a good, you know, producer, somebody that can take a band and be like, guys, here's what we need to do. Here's my advice. And somebody fucking listen. And it's like, holy shit, this is a Marvel masterpiece. <laughs> this kind of reminds me. I was, uh, you know, fr- but I mean, back then, like, I don't know, like I've, I've watched a lot of, you know, audio production stuff and, you know, very few bands these days actually come together in a studio as a band and somebody hits record and they play a song. Like now, you know, because everything can be copied and pasted and, you know. Yeah, in the digital age, it's like, yes, hey, like, yo, send me the guitar track and then, all right, we'll mix this together. And so they're like, you know, not having to record But together. I mean, like, you, you lose that. Or even like the Foo Fighters' first album where freaking Dave Grohl played everything. He didn't put together the band until he wanted to tour. He literally recorded... And <laughs> I guess like as, as a, a solo... Like, yeah, as a creator, it's so much easier. We don't have to deal with five personalities. Like, all right, I'm going to make the drums the way I want to sound. I want to make the guitars. And just but I mean, I, <laughs> do the I, whole I think a lot album. of that is like, you know, a lot of the YouTube musicians that, you know, we watch and stuff. I mean, they're, they're sort of that way. But now, like, it's like, okay, I've hit my, you know, five million followers on YouTube or whatever, so... Now I'm going to put together a band. Like, yeah, it's like, you know, Leo, he has his tour and band, but like most of the music he does on YouTube, he just does it all. <laughs> he may have like a guest in to, uh, to do some stuff and he has some guys that he, uh, you know, tours with, but it's like, I mean, that amazing. Cause I've never been able to play an actual instrument. I played a little bit of drums in high school, but that was about it. But guys, they can sit there and play. I play every single instrument. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it just amazes me. Yep. Uh, it just, you know, I mean. I don't know, you know, there's, I, I really won't say virtuoso, but, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, hell, my, my lifelong friend that actually got me into guitar, you know, was, I mean, that was my inspiration, was just literally watching him go from drums to bass to guitar to, you know, hey, I've never picked up a banjo, and 30 minutes later after, you know, dicking around, and he's like, Hey, I figured out the Beverly Hillbillies theme. I'm like, holy shit. Like, and this is the day, but you know, back in the days before internet and computers. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to watch a video on how somebody plays this or whatever. It's like, no, you just did that shit just from, you know, the ear. And I mean, that, that just adds a whole gravitas to shit that just boggles my mind. It's like, you're something special. I appreciate that. (laughs) You're talking about like a, you know producers figuring out how to like make that signature sound it was you know and if you know the dirt's kind of a i guess a theatrical storytelling of this thing but then there's a lot of rock documentaries on on uh netflix and wherever that if you want to see like the real life you know story of a band and the one that i just watched recently it's a uh, is a uh, called zz top little band from texas all about like zz top and there's one story in there, I think it was like they were recording their first album where they had like a, a record exec that kept like, nah, like I don't want y'all using these specific, you know, specific uh, methods. And finally, like the producer guy who's like recording studio there, he's like, you know what? 
we need lunch. Like go to this specific bar. We can't make rock and roll without barbecue. So I want you to go get, get us all some barbecue. What he doesn't tell him is the specific restaurant they told him to get it from was an hour away. So when the record exec leaves to get barbecue, they pretty much recorded their entire first album. <laughs> they're like, all right, let's get the fucking suits out of here so we can make some damn rock and roll. <laughs> and I, and, and I mean, I can absolutely attest. I mean, dude, could you imagine being a producer for a guy, you know, Okay, I'm about to record this guitarist named Jimmy Page, and this fucking dude has invented his own effects, his own <laughs> sound, and it's like, holy shit, and I'm supposed to be producing, but this guy has fucking engineered and everything else, like, <laughs> like I mean, that, that that's the thing that kind of boggles my mind when I go to bands like the 60s and 70s, because it wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to run out and buy this distortion pedal, or I'm going to buy this amp modeling kit, or whatever, it's like... Oh no, I want yeah, back in the day people were mad scientists making that shit themselves. Yeah, it's like, oh no, I, I legit want more reverb. So, you know, here it is. I'm gonna sit there and fuck around with all these springs and shit until I get that, you know, sound that I envision in my head. Like, you know, just uh And speaking of rock and roll excess, there's a a great story on that documentary where they're talking about their uh I guess uh freaking Jaeger or uh, yeah, the Rolling Stones had seen them, had heard them and they're like, we want y'all to come open for us. So they were opening for the stones in Hawaii and they had ran up such a, they showed up like a couple days early for, uh, to like, Oh yeah, we need to like, you know, uh, practice, but like, we just wanted to go to Hawaii and hang out. So he said they ran up such a bar tab at the bar that their manager was like, all right, y'all are on a two drink limit because y'all already, we haven't even played the show yet. And y'all have already ran up like a, pretty high bar tab so they found this drink called like like the monkey killer or something that literally came in like a bucket nearly with a giant straw it was like a huge like you literally set it on the ground because it was like the glass was like two foot tall and like their manager comes in they're all drinking these giant like you know five gallon bucket drinks they're like what you said two drink minimum or two drink maximum this is only my second one (laughs) (laughs) that are just you know what i'll take two kegs of beer (laughs) that's two drinks boss (laughs) Oh yes, <laughs> but yeah, it pretty much like you dive into you know YouTube, Netflix, Amazon, whatever your digital service of choice is. There are tons of rock docs out there if you want to learn about your favorite band, or you know, like I said, there's even music, uh, cool movies about fictional bands. For example, uh. Another great movie about a band, almost famous from 2000, which I didn't realize this was a 20-year-old movie at this point until I just looked at Wikipedia a second ago. (laughs) I mean, is this really a movie about a band, or is this a movie about an aspiring writer who wants to hook up with a hot blonde? It's the story of life. (laughs) He's about to go to a place many, many, many have gone before. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> oh, i mean it's also a story of you know groupies and stuff back in the I like that when when tommy lee uh in the dirt interviews uh introduces uh his his fiance to his parents and his mom's like you know uh not a native english speaker. she's like oh yes i i know this what is the word uh groupie <laughs> Yes. She's like, Mom, <laughs> what? Uh, you talk about them all the time. This is this is groupie, right? <laughs> I was like, that's funny as shit. I was like, Mom knows exactly what the hell she's saying. <laughs> Absolutely. 
But yeah, uh, directed by uh, Cameron Crowe, about a young teenage writer who somehow scams his way into a draw <laughs> job with Rolling Stone and gets to go on tour with a, an up-and-coming rock band uh, called Steelwater, which was based on kind of loosely on Crowe's own experience where he had was also a teenage writer for Rolling Stone. Yeah, I figured... Back in the 60s and 70s, man, you could get away with this shit. Like, nowadays, like, 15, 16-year-old guy wants to write for a major publication that, you know, if publications are still a thing anymore. But, I mean, there's... I mean, they don't carry so the many clout rules against that... shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was always the thing, right? Like, you know... Back it... before cell phones and the internet, you could get away with a lot more shit. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, like, I, I think that... Kind of the cool thing is not only the the coming of age, you know, aspect, but then also too, like it really brings the forefront of you know how much you know. Like I watch shit like this, and then I think about people that do Yelp reviews and everything of that nature, and it's like, oh, I, I gotta kiss ass to this person or whatever, otherwise they're gonna give me a shitty review. Um, and that's going to hurt my business. Like, you know, uh, just that aspect of things on this of, hey, I want to tell a story, but I got to be careful about how this story unfolds because it could potentially have negative impacts on me personally or... Especially now in, like, the freaking cancel culture. It's like, yeah, you know, back in the day in the 70s, 80s, like, no one gave a shit. So it's like, you know, you got more of a real story, I think, when you... Like said, so these writers. Well, and stuff I mean, I'll say that, like, and... you know, back in the, the the '90s and stuff, as a guitarist, like, you know, so much of my inspirations came from, you know, fucking Headbanger magazine. You know, at that time, like the the guitar worlds and 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 that sort of thing. Like, that was your insight into how these people, you know, thought and you know, or how the writer made you want to. <laughs> think that this is how you know that <laughs> shit came to fruition but you know like so much of that's kind of gone by the wayside now like yeah, it's now like... it's more so just oh okay i got this number one track and it's on spotify and everywhere and okay from there hey we like that one thing you did you think you can multiply that by 12 or 13 we'll call it an album <laughs> yeah because i mean back in the day it's like albums and stuff were expensive and you know it was hard to especially the music we listened to that wouldn't getting play on like your standard terrestrial faa regulated radio you know you had to go to something like a rolling stone or whatever to find out about new bands and figure out if it was worth your money to purchase an album where now is like oh i hear this band's pretty good i heard they got you know i can go on youtube spotify wherever listen to a couple of tracks and be like, all right, cool. I can, I'll buy this if I want. Or if it's like, or I'll just watch it on fucking YouTube, <laughs> you know, but there's a whole much, a whole lot easier to, ways to get your, your music out there. And, and, uh, we're back in the day, you were kind of dependent on these, you know, rock critics <laughs> or movie critics. And like, you know, as we've, you know, discovered that most of the time critics are full of shit. Because uh, half the time it's like, oh man, critics said this sucked. I'm like, oh, this is probably going to be awesome then because crit critics usually hate the things I love. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, dude, that's exactly how I became aware of, um, 
you know, Marilyn Manson and, and stuff like that, you know, because it would be like, you know, just all this bad shit. And it's like, nah, I don't want to take somebody else's word for it. I want to, you know, see for myself, you know, and <laughs> perhaps on the, the more shit that's talked about and you're like. I gotta check this out. You know, if he's pissing all these people off, there's got to be something to it. I want to <laughs> piss those people off. Like, but yes, absolutely. Like, um, you know, I mean, and as you alluded to it earlier, the uh, the I'm a golden god, where they're like, you know, uh, the like, could you imagine somebody offering, you, like, hey, I'm going to give you thirty five bucks, and you're going to get an interview with a band called Black Sabbath, <laughs> like. Yeah, because, I mean, Cameron Crowe... Dude, like, I can... I, you know, fuck. Speaking of Black Sabbath and, you know, every in YouTube, right? So I found a Black Sabbath episode, or sh- concert that they did literally in the parking lot of some deli that was about to open. Like, literally, they are in a strip mall parking lot with, like, 30 people, you know, fucking, <laughs> you know, rocking out, you know, Iron Man and shit. And it's just like... Who would have known that, you know, this band would have exploded to such worldwide fame? Like, Yeah, it's like, you know, these you know, little metal shows that we used to go see at the Masquerade, and it's like... You aren't know, such little metal shows anymore. No, it's like, <laughs> these guys are like, you know, in stadiums and shit now. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's like, yeah, the, I like when he goes to like... Like you know, the lead guitarist played by Billy Crudup is like you know he goes to like some briefly high school party and they're like and he's like oh I'm these like I'm a legendary guitar player now and now like I'm a hero to all these people and he gets like high as shit he's like on the roof like I'm a golden god and, like jumps off into the pool is like I mean I could see freaking Tommy Lee doing that shit yeah <laughs> absolutely I mean. <laughs> and then uh. Uh, you know, any Kevin Smith fans, the lead singer is played by Jason Lee, who this is probably like the first thing I saw him in that wasn't a Kevin Smith movie. I'm like, oh, Lee's an actual actor. <laughs> but I, I, I do love the fact that, uh, you know, instead of, quote, groupies, they deem themselves Band-Aids. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, no, we're not just the, uh, the groupie, uh, hoes that want to sleep with the band we're here to like you know make their life easier and something like that you know they're they're like no we have a purpose that we're not just groupies we're we're band supporters (laughs) yes support your local bands folks but you know being a fictional rock band too like the music from this movie not only the your actual legit you know music they you know from that 60s 70s era that they played but then like the the songs from this fake band were like i actually did a pretty good job of <laughs> producing you know music for a, a band that doesn't really exist <laughs> well i mean you know we talked about it you know past but uh fucking metalocalypse you know yeah. i mean that was another one that for a fake band put on a hell of a show <laughs> that was a real band yeah we, we saw them we know <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's so weird when the lights came on, you're like, they look nothing like uh, Metalocalypse. <laughs> a bunch of middle-aged dudes, you know? But, but <laughs> Guys mean, in their 40s and shit, and it's like, it's like, oh, y'all don't look like Metalocalypse. <laughs> but they know metal. <laughs> yeah, like, you're like, you guys, you're freaking, you plays your grandpa's guitars? <laughs> 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 oh. I, I love the scene, too, on this, when they're on the, uh, 
they finally get get like an airplane and they get in the storm and it's like uh they think the plane's going down they all start confessing stuff and it's like i slept with your wife and he's like i'm gay <laughs> and then the like the the storm like uh they're all confessing stuff and then the storm clears and the plane writes and they're all like so that uh, just <laughs> happened uh, uh, i was just kidding guys <laughs> we're, we're we're all good now right all good yeah. I'm like, you know, so here we are recording uh, Easter Sunday just to, you know, give folks outside of the Atlanta area an idea. Um, so we're, yeah, we're about three hours away from tornado warnings supposed to hit. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, hmm, things are happening outside. <laughs> yeah. If you start hearing some uh, <laughs> some rain noise in the background, yeah, the storms are starting just like 2020. It's like, hey, you know, I know you're in the middle of worse. a virus, you know, like. Hey, it's April. Guess what? Tornadoes. <laughs> hey, there's there went a cow. There's Debris. another cow. <laughs> I don't know. There's this big ass metal table, so I guess that's what I'll uh, you know try to secure myself to if uh, shit goes south. <laughs> yeah, like, we'll we'll keep the mics rolling, folks. <laughs> now we're podcasting live from thirty thousand feet. <laughs> yeah. Whoever finds this, please upload it to uh, the internet for us because. We're probably going to be dead. <laughs> nah, dude. We're, we're good. We, 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 we've we survived a lot of shit. We ain't getting taken out by no nader. <laughs> Put on my Mandalorian helmet so I can, you know, go shopping. Since I'm, uh, I'm like, all these people wearing masks and shit. Oh. Speaking of mask. What? Like, it, it and music and everything. Fucking Buckethead. You realize how fucking talented that dude is? <laughs> <laughs> fucker wears like a KFC bucket on his head and yeah it's like I mean he's played with a couple different bands shit. he's, he's like, played with a shitload of bands dude if, if, you, if, if, if people want to look up the idea of Virtuoso I would fucking put Buckethead in that category yeah it's so weird these people that like I don't know if it's just for the the stage persona or if he's got some kind of like like you know stage fright thing where he's like I don't want people to see my actual face but there's him and there's that other like big DJ that, that just wears like a giant marshmallow mask on his head that no one knows who the hell he is. <laughs> it's like it's just so weird. These uh guys that like have like legit skill, but it's like I just want to be famous for the music. I don't want anyone to know who I am. <laughs> I'm gonna wear a KFC bucket and a freaking like white Hobby Lobby mask. <laughs> but I mean I guess, you know, like if you're in a pinch, like a bucket could come in handy at times. Do a lot of things with a bucket. <laughs> Shit in a bucket. Put drinks in a bucket. Yep. Preferably before you shit in it. Yeah, you can puke in a bucket after you've drank the drinks in the bucket. Yeah, I mean, multi-purpose bucket. Yeah, I mean, that may be something we need to start working into our EDCs buckets. <laughs> we get Gearcraft to make me a freaking hand sanitizer holster to put on my uh, my battle belt. <laughs> you do that, sir. You do that. <laughs> um. Another one, have you seen, you know, it's almost like a rockumentary type thing, um, Hysteria, the Def Leppard story? I don't think I've I mean, I've this seen was kind one. of a, you know, 2001 made-for-television um, type song, but there was always this, like, one iconic scene where you see the band come together for the first time in a studio and, um, like, just 
Because Def Leppard's one of those, like, I've not seen this documentary, but Def Leppard's one of those bands that's like, just got to, the story of them is, is almost legendary. Because, I mean, the drummer lost his arm in a car wreck, which that could be, especially for a drummer, could be a career ender. But he's like, no, I'm just going to invent new technology where I can, you know, still play the drums one-handed. I'm just going to add, like, extra foot pedals and digital things that will duplicate what my right hand is doing. And it's like... They still rock just as hard now as they yeah, did absolutely. pre-accident. But, um, like, I, I just remember, like, you know, they, they just hit, like, that one vocal and, like, this, you know, guitar crescendo and bringing on the heartache. And, like, it, it's just one of those fucking things. It's like every time I see it, it's like, okay, pause, go get the guitar. Like, <laughs> oh, was it that weird animated video they did? Do you want to get rocked? Like, that was, like, the, like, the jam back in the day. <laughs> I, I another thing, fucking Beavis and Butthead. How many like, unless uh you know you're 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 fucking um, uh what the hell is it uh, Winger. Um, <laughs> I mean they pretty much wrecked their career. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean you know yeah, there's how like- much influence did Beavis and Butthead put on for you know metal bands and stuff like that to get publicity. And, yeah, because back that, in the day, you know, Beavis and Butthead, it was like them doing like Mystery Science Theater 3000 for like metal videos mixed in with like little skits that they were, work, that they were doing throughout the show. But yeah, those little music videos they did, I mean, that probably turned me on to like bands that don't get normal like MTV play. I'm like, oh, these guys sound pretty good. I'm going to check them out. <laughs> um, I mean, because I, I almost like... It was almost an honor to get made fun of by well, Beavis I and Butthead back in the day. I, I want to. I think it was fucking Metallica, and I think they eventually came out and said that we've got to attribute a lot of our success to fucking Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it was like the Metallica T-shirt and what was it the ACDC T-shirt? That was like, yes, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, and even when that movie came out, I mean, freaking, there was Rob Zombie was on that soundtrack. I mean, there was. So many great bands and in, in that uh, that Beavis and Butthead Do America uh, movie that they I mean the soundtrack to that movie freaking rocked. But yeah, I, you know I, I do recommend um, a little bit cheesy, not as um, polished as you know um, the dirt or anything of that nature. I mean, granted this is almost twenty years ago as well, but you know I mean just basically you know it, it follows from. Their early beginnings to, you know, their eventual stardom, um, you know, it, 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 you know, like, to your point, like, they actually, like, have the, you know, car accident and they showed, you know, Rick Allen here with, you know, fucking, you know, arm, you know, over here and, you know, it's like, oh shit, like, you know, like, it just does some things to visualize, it's like, it's just got real. Like, yeah. You know, that's definitely one of those, like, just motivational stories, because that, should have been a career ender, but he's like, nah, I'm a drummer. I'm going to figure out a way. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, there was, um, you know, a, a busker that, you know, I, I caught on YouTube and the person had no arms. So they learned to pick and do shit with guitar using their feet. And dude, this is some of the most like, you know, like, goddamn, like, <laughs> yeah, some of those people that, were born without arms and stuff that just learned to use their feet from day one. It's like amazing. Some of the stuff they can do. Like I watched the video, someone that had uh, 
a specially modified car and could drive a car with just their feet and then like was like you know had like you know controls and stuff on the steering wheel where they could hit it with their toes and i was like that's just freaking crazy <laughs> yeah but you know i mean you know some people nitpick it because of timelines and stuff like that are you know kind of messed up some of the events aren't quite the way that they happen in real life but you know it's one of those that if you appreciate music and shit you know give it a go <laughs> it's kind of like that uh and dirt when they when they start talking about the meeting their manager for their first time freaking Mick breaks in, he's like, yeah, none of this shit happened. This is how it actually happened, but we thought doing it this way would look cooler on in the movie. <laughs> I was like, oh. just that whole, like, aside, I was like, yeah, no, no, we met him, like, after a show one night. You know, he did not show up at one of the parties, but we thought this was cooler. <laughs> Gonna party like it's the uh, end of the world. Yeah. I, I And That's I guess, speaking too. of um, end of the world, or a band attributed for the greatest song in the world, it... It's hard to talk about, you know, movies and rock without fucking talking about Tenacious D. Yeah, freaking Jack Black is, for a guy who is a comedic actor, him and uh, <laughs> and the Tenacious D. You mean Kyle Glass? Yes, Kyle, that's the name I was trying to think of. Those dudes, like... Are badass musician for Where like the fuck did I get that from? Well, there's I think there's a comedian named Kyle. Kyle. Uh, yeah, we're not <laughs> talking about that fucker. We're talking about Kyle Gas from fucking Tenacious D. Okay. Yeah, but those guys like rock hard for you know what normally like you know comedians like. <laughs> I mean, that's the crazy thing, right? To think that like and for you songs got that are primarily done for like comedic, comedic effect are fucking rocking ass yes. songs. But yeah, that Pick a Destiny movie, if you've not seen it, is probably one of the the most entertaining films uh that yeah, it may not have been a huge box office success, but it was just badass. Especially the the final song where they have to have a uh, a rock battle versus the devil. Who I'm pretty sure isn't the devil uh have a homeboy from uh uh Foo Fighters. <laughs> But yeah, that's like probably like when uh, when they have the rock off with the devil. It's probably the the most badass song in the whole movie. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can find a pick of destiny. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like I think it's such a great trope. Like, uh, you know, we'll just keep the music thing going. Um, but it's also a great road like, trip movie. Then, exactly. like, on the quest to find the the pick. But I mean, you know, how many of the old blues musicians they talk about old scratch are meeting at the crossroads, and you know, like there's a lot of darkness. You know, like I sold my soul to the devil. You know, for my skills and ability to be able to play. You know, the blues and everything of that nature. Like the blues is pretty fucking metal, man. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I mean, and especially like I said, watching that uh, that uh, ZZ Top documentary, they talk about you know kind of how where they kind of got their inspiration was a lot of these old blues musicians, and and you know there's you know blues is like the backbone of rock and roll. I mean, a lot of that you know you look at uh, yes, Dave Grohl was Satan in uh, <laughs> in the Epic of Destiny, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like uh. Yeah, those old like dark blue stories has kind of led to like that, especially southern rock and roll. Yeah, you know? <laughs> stuff out of Texas and and throughout the the South where, 
And hell, even today, a lot of the country guy, modern country guys, sound more like rock bands than they do country singers. <laughs> they just happen to wear a cowboy hat and are from Texas, but they're playing some shit that I'm like, but all I mean, right, I, I can actually get down to this. But I mean, at the same time, like, you know, like, maybe different ends of the spectrum, but I mean, you know, like, old country, you know, you'd think about moonshining, you think about the outlaw lifestyle, you think, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, like... You know, we we used it on one of our previous episodes, but that fucking song, uh, you know, Outlaws and Outsiders, you got fucking Mick Mars, Ivan Moody, Travis Tritt, like, you know, all these fucking people coming together uh. from all these different walks of life to put together this track that each, they do their own thing, and it's fucking magical, man. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, and... Speaking of uh, Jack Black in uh, rock and roll, School of Rock was another one of those that was like kind of meant to be a you know comedy family film, but had a lot of great music in it. Where he just kind of builds like this ultimate rock band with these like you know prep school kids <laughs> as he like you know needs a job and like fakes uh, being a music teacher. Well, I mean, and, and decides he can you know enter the battle of the bands with these kids. <laughs> And I think that, you know, what they, you know, unfortunately, like, I think what they did with Pick of Destiny was tried to replicate the success that School of Rock had. Because School of Rock was like the highest grossing, you know, music comedy up until I think it was like Pitch Perfect or something. Yeah, 35 million made 131 million. I mean, that's a hell of a return on investment. And I, I there's a... Look it up on YouTube. They had a, like a recently had a reunion show where all the kids got together and, you know, they're all grown ass adults now and they played the song from the battle of the bands. And it was like, it was kind of amazing seeing these kids have like grown up and they're still like rocking and rolling. Yeah. No, that's fucking awesome. Dude. And this kind of even inspired, I mean, there's a legitimate school of rock now. Different States have different programs where if you're a kid and you want, cause you know, high school, you mainly learn marching band stuff, but if you want to learn, to play rock and roll, there's, you know, actual schools for that where it's like, no, you, 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 most people, you start off classically trained and then get into rock, you know, it's like, no, I don't want to learn to play Chopin. I want to learn to play fucking ACDC. I want there's- to learn to play uh, <laughs> fucking Chopin because, like, I mean, that's, uh, that's the thing, man, that, you know, so many people don't realize, you know, about a lot of their metal musicians and idols and stuff from, you know, either hard rock, metal, that sort of thing, is most of these people were classically trained, and that's why the fucking guitar solos are so on point, because they <laughs> understand, you know, the theory and everything of, you know, hey, I know how to voice my notes and my chords. I know how to actually give things feeling and emotion more so than, I'm just going to get up here and pick a bunch of random notes really, really fast and see <laughs> what happens. Oh, yeah, there's so many bands that have, like, made a career on just, like, three-chord punk rock where... When you see some of these guys like Mick Mars and and you know freaking Leo and that were just like the technical aspects of their guitar playing is just like for someone who knows shit about guitars, it's just like magic to watch. You're like, I know I can't do that. That's just amazing. As somebody <laughs> that plays guitar, what I hate is watching the fucking like six year olds. It's like I've been working on this for twenty years, longer than you fucking been alive. And <laughs> yeah, and they're just like. Fucking kid geniuses! Like, I mean, there's that video of that kid that uh, you know says he can play guitar, and still Panther like calls him up on the sh- on the stage, like, "Yeah, sure, sure, what you got, kid?" Thinking he's just gonna be some like you know 
yeah, they think it's going to be funny. And he gets up there and starts shredding. <laughs> and they look at their guitar player and they're like, dude, you're fired. <laughs> this fucking little kid just like showed you up, man. <laughs> I love it. And, and girls are going to want to do bad things to you, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Like, I don't know. Like, I oftentimes, like, that that would never have happened with, you know, my parents. Like, you know, like, I, I had to fight, you know, kind of tooth and nail to be able to get into guitars and shit like that because they were like, Nope, everybody we know that's a guitarist, you know, they they live in their parents' basement till they're 40, and, you know, they, they make a couple hundred bucks a night, and, you know, like, you're going to do better than that. And it's like, I don't want to do better than that. I want to fucking make music. Like, Get a day job, kid. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, I can remember, like... Hell, what, Led Zeppelin's like a scientist, and, like, still musician i mean you can do both but yeah there's those people who are like no i'm gonna be a rock star this is what i'm what i'm gonna do and hell like even in that the dirt movie like mick when he first shows up he's like hey like i'm tired of like sleeping on a park bench and you know do it so if this is gonna be bullshit just tell me now because no, this is gonna be my career i'm not doing anything else so if y'all aren't serious about this shit y'all fuck off now and they're like we love this guy <laughs> Like, you're gonna fit in well. And fucking Mick Mars, man. Fucking musical. Magical. Mick Mars, the magical musician. <laughs> yeah, and watching that, uh, uh, the Outcast and Outlaws, it just like fell down a YouTube hole, like other songs where Mick has, like, uh, been a guest star. And there's, like, there's some badass songs out there that he's been a uh, just guest spot on. Yeah, man. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't ever see myself, you know, playing arenas or anything. But, you know, I, I would be okay just, you know, being a fucking studio musician. You know? Like, yeah, some of those guys hey, let like, me lay down a couple licks, you know, on the track. And, you know, I'm good with that. Yeah, those, like, guys you have no idea who they are. But, you know, anyone who's actually in the music industry knows exactly who are who. Just make a career traveling you know, around, like, you know, laying down tracks for people. And, you know, if you want a unique sound, like, hey, here's this guy. He's like... The, a musical mercenary doesn't need to be the uh, <laughs> lead singer. He's just like, you know, I make a living playing guitar, playing whatever, and I'm cool with that. You know, if you never know my name, I'm still getting paid. <laughs> like these guys that are just songwriters that, you know, never, you know, like I said, you don't know who they are, but they've written like every song you've ever heard of. <laughs> is, is there, I mean, there's so many like just, you know, options in the shadows for uh <laughs> successful musicians you don't have to be a, a motley crew you can be the guy behind the guy <laughs> or you can be the lords of chaos <laughs> <laughs> lords of chaos we almost named the band xmas <laughs> <laughs> oh hell i even you know completely unrelated but it, you know it had abandoned I, I watched scott pilgrim versus the world again the other day my wife had never seen it, and she's like, "What the fuck did you just make me watch?" <laughs> I'm like, "Come on, this movie was fun. Freaking, uh, it was about a band having to fight seven evil exes." And rewatching it now versus the when it came out like ten years ago, as a martial artist, I'm like, the freaking action sequences in this uh, movie is actually pretty good. Like whoever did the stunt work and choreography, I'm like, there's some legit martial arts in this movie. <laughs> 
I mean, the music's pretty cool too. I mean, there's some definitely some rocking music in that, but I'm like, oh fuck, that's some some decent kicks he's got going on there. <laughs> Whoever Scott Pilgrim's stunt double is was a was a badass. <laughs> yeah, I, another one that really sticks out to my mind is uh, Deathgasm. Deathgasm, yes. Yeah. When we did our uh, our. Uh, what was the theme of that show? But we talked about Deathgasm. Yes, we did. <laughs> I don't even remember what we were... T- what what we were... Was it uh, horror movies or something? Uh, yeah, fuck, we've... Ed- yeah, this is episode 138, so now it's like... I remember us talking about those movies, but I don't remember what the overall theme of that show was, but... <laughs> there was a fucking theme? Fucking Deathgasm was good. <laughs> yes. That was a- <laughs> That's another one that I, uh, you know... Might have been one of our Halloween episodes. I don't remember, but yeah, Deathgasm was... Another great... Uh, it's probably a Christmas episode or something. Might have been. Because I think we talked about that when we talked about the babysitter. <laughs> Just... Oh. Random weird horror movies that we never heard of before Netflix. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Uh, I mean, that's why the internet's so slow now. is Because we're all stuck at home watching Netflix and discovering weird-ass movies that we never would have... <laughs> watched i mean that's how i discovered the zz top documentary it just popped up on my hey you watch this you should also watch this i'm like oh sure netflix yeah. like netflix at this point should disable that are you still watching uh thing when you just leave it on something for a long time are you still watching it's like yes motherfucker i got no, nowhere it, else it, to go it, i'm it, definitely still watching like they need to change it like you go to pause something or you know actually shut or close out the netflix app like they need to have a pop it's like are you sure you're done? Like that, that's probably the more appropriate. Yeah. Do you really have something else to do today? <laughs> uh, <laughs> nope. You're going to stay home and, and watch another 15 hours of Netflix. <laughs> so as we kind of wrap up this musical journey, uh, what do you think of this? Uh, Bella Ortiz. Bella Ortiz is pretty good, man. Um, I, I don't remember smoking the, um, the non TAA. I think we had like the, the regular. I don't think we had the Maduro last time, but I mean I, this Maduro, it's got a lot of strength, a lot of flavor. I mean, it's well, it's an AJ cigar. We've not found an AJ cigar that we didn't like yet. <laughs> oh, that's a guy I need to get on the podcast because uh, I mean he's just like the fucking cigar mercenary. It just works for everybody. <laughs> hey, you want to do a thing? I'm willing to put my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, this is a damn good cigar. I mean, it's a little on the, uh, it's a, a TA exclusive, so it's a little bit on the more pricey side, like at $13, $14 price point. So it's a, you know, definitely not a budget uh, cigar. Uh, and hell, if we don't run out before then, we'll probably have a budget cigar for you next week that I tried last night and really enjoyed. <laughs> I got the new new. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I could definitely recommend, uh, recommend the, uh, the Bella Artis uh, Figaro, Figurado Maduro TAA exclusive, if you can find it. And if you don't have a TAA retailer in your local area, there are some TAA uh, retailers that are online. So you can, a quick Google search, you can find somewhere to order this if it's not anywhere local to you. So don't worry, you don't have to, you don't have to be in the know to get one of these. But like I said, it is limited. They only made a thousand boxes. So if you're going to get one, get it now before they they disappear or even try if you can't get the special figurado size try the regular uh bella art artiza maduro they are pretty much uh available all the time because it's this is a cigar came out in 2016 so it'll be on the shelf uh at your local retailers 
uh, in at least the normal sizes that are available. And with that, we'll be right back with some science. I'm through standing in line, the clubs will never get in. It's like the bottom of the ninth, and I'm never gonna win this. Life hasn't turned out quite the way I want it to be. Tell me what you want. I want a brand new house on an episode of Cribs, and a bathroom I can play baseball in. And a king-size tub big enough for ten plus me. A credit card that's got no limit And a big black chair with a bedroom in it Gonna join the Mile High Club at 37,000 feet Been done I want a new tour bus full of old guitars My star on Hollywood Boulevard Somewhere between Cher and James Dean is fine for me So how you gonna do it? I'm gonna trade this life for fortune and fame We're back. It's time for some science. I'm ready to get educated. Oh, man, it's getting hard to find science articles. I bring up the freaking science thing, it's all freaking corona shit. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about corona shit. It's depressing. <laughs> Wait, so, corona gives you the shits? Apparently not. That's, but I don't know why everybody's buying all the fucking toilet paper, because there's no reason for us to still be You know why? Bill. Taco Bell is giving away free tacos. Oh, well, that explains it. Like, <laughs> isn't that funny? Like, weeks before Taco Bell debuts a promo where they're going to give you a free Doritos Locos, everybody does a run on toilet paper. Somebody's got some inside knowledge somewhere, and, um... Oh, man, I went to my... Because I miss Mexican, going to Mexican restaurants, but the my favorite Mexican place around here is still doing takeout, and I went up there to pick up an order, and they're, they're selling margaritas and growlers. So if, like, if you need a margarita, they're like... We still got you covered. I got a growlerita. <laughs> Whoa. Um, speaking of shitting yourself. New band name. <laughs> growlerita. Uh, speaking of We're shitting yourself. Mexican death metal. We got a new uh, a, a toilet that can save your, your ass, literally. Scientists at Stanford University has developed what they're calling a smart toilet, complete with anal print recognition technology. <laughs> So is the anus like a fingerprint then? Is Apparently, a... that's the thing that they discovered, that your butt actually is as unique as your fingerprint. I mean, that's a whole... I mean, I have a degree in forensics. I mean, that's a whole new level of forensics. We're going to start ass-printing people. <laughs> I guess that's why, uh, you know, anytime you get detained or something, they tell you to bend over and spread them. You thought they were checking for contraband. They're really, like, printing your ass. No, uh, in a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, paper printed in the journal Nature Biomedical Engineering. The toilet uses pressure and motion sensors, test strips, and even a video camera to analyze the flow and bio uh, biochemical composition of your pee uh, for when you're peeing. And also uses machine uses those tools along with machine learning algorithms to study the poop structure and gauge whether the stool shows any indication of health conditions. So yeah, this just by using this toilet every day, according to Inventor. I mean, but that's that, you know that's actually pretty cool, you know, because I can remember like I forgot what I had going on, but somebody actually like wanted a stool sample. That's not pleasant. Like, <laughs> no. it's like yeah, I've I've had to pee at the doctor's before, but having to like you know take a shit on command is like uh <laughs> yeah, just, like just weird. Yeah, but you know, uh Sanjiv uh Sam 
Gabe here, who is the lead study author and chair of radiology at Stanford Medicine, is like said it. Uh, it's it, you know, he said he's been trying to bring up this idea for years, and everyone has kind of laughed at it. But you know, it's this. This you know, it actually you know automatically you know analyzes your stool and your urine to find diagnosed all kind of gastrointestinal disorders and you know nutrient uh, deficiencies, pancreatic pancre pancreatitis, infections, inflammatory bowel diseases, and cancers. It can detect all these things and kind of alert you early to any kind of uh, medical problems you may have. It says kind of like wearing, you know, your smartwatch or your your Fitbits, but people take those things off, but you can't get away from using your toilet. So it's one of those things that's like can just fit into your life because you're going to take a shit eventually. Yeah, And always absolutely. be giving you kind of a health checkup as it goes. And uh, as we stated previously, folks, um, the storms are now approaching, so... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might get a little more noisy. Yep. But uh, also, and it's kind of the, you think, hey, I got four people in my house. How does this know my test results versus somebody else's test results? That's where that anal print technology comes in, because it can literally detect who's sitting on it. So it keeps everybody's test results separate. So I <laughs> guess kind of side benefit they you realize. You know, to dogs, you know, when they first introduce themselves, and it's like, all right, got to look at the butt, got to smell the butt. Like, <laughs> oh, hey, Steve. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> so... Faces can change, butts never do. <laughs> I mean, you could put acid on your fingers and try to get rid of your fingerprints and stuff. You probably don't want to do that with your butt. <laughs> exactly. And uh, speaking of full moons, <laughs> NASA has a, uh, you know, because there's tons of science that tries to get done every year, and NASA has a limited budget. Well, they have a program called NIAC, which stands for NASA's Innovative Advanced Concepts Program, which basically scientists submit every year tons of experiments and programs that they want to to do, and NASA kind of picks the best ones to get funding. And, you know, this year's, uh, they picked 23 new science endeavors to fund this year through the program. And some of the top three that they've, uh, that they've announced out of these 23 studies. One of them is going to be installing a giant radio telescope on the moon. They're basically want to turn one of the craters on the dark side of the moon into a giant lunar crater radio telescope. And so the benefits of that is, you know, there's a, a lot of, uh, radio noise around the earth itself while putting a dish on the dark side of the moon, kind of blocks out all that noise from earth and can detect radio signals and stuff that we could not detect here on earth, uh, where it's, you know, just a kind of a little too noisy to pick up some of those, uh, you know, quieter signals. And also, you know, space force, we had to detect those incoming aliens and shit. Yeah. To add my conspiracy twist on it. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't talk about space with talking about space force. And you can't talk about Space Force without bringing up Doom. <laughs> uh, and another one, uh, they want to build a astropharmacy on the moon. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, Is something about to happen to the Earth? <laughs> well, I don't know. Shit's already happening to the Earth. Maybe it's worse than we think, and we're trying to bug out here pretty soon. Um, but yeah, uh, basically, as we're uh, kind of looking at colonies on Mars, colonies on the moon, stuff like that. 
researcher with NASA, Lynn Rothschild, says there's a kind of a, a problem with, you know, treating medical conditions in space is that, you know, there's a lot of drug degradation due to the time uh, and also radiation during space travel. So they want to generate like an arm on-site, you know, pharmaceutical manufacturing in space, you know, for, you know, dealing with medical conditions and emergencies uh, that astronauts may face, you know, and they said they can produce, you know, treatments for disease that humans may face in space, uh, pre-programming space hardy cells to produce protein drugs and other things that, you know, can survive longer since, and since it's produced in space, um, won't, you know, fall apart like things that are produced here on earth and then have it to transport up to scientists that may be working in space. Interesting. And uh, the third of their kind of their top three they announced is something they're calling gravity poppers, which is not a new type of drug, but actually small hopping probes <laughs> developed by Benjamin Hockman, uh, a robotics technologist with NASA uh, at the JPL. Basically, it's a whole bunch of tiny probes that will be deployed to the surface of small bodies throughout the solar system, like asteroids and whatnot. And these little things can basically pop and hop around the surface, which will track, help to track, uh, detect, uh, determine gravity fields and actually the instruction internal structure of your, know, whatever space body they're hopping around. <laughs> Interesting. Like robot, uh, rabbits. Hey, that, that, that seems less menacing than, uh, you know, some of the other things we've talked about in science previously. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, but wasn't there like a... Oh, hold on, I'm thinking, like, back in the, the 70s, 80s, wasn't there like a horror movie where rabbits were eating people or something? I don't know, there was the uh, the evil rabbit from Monty Python. Well, I mean, there was that, <laughs> and then there was also Benicula, so I mean... Oh, freaking Benicula, man, I remember those <laughs> books. The Vampire Rabbit. <laughs> uh. But some of the other things that they that's also getting funded is something they're calling the autonomous umbilical handling system, which is basically a little rover that would, uh, you know, hold all the astronauts, uh, life support systems and just basically follow them around as they're exploring some kind of like lunar surface or whatnot. So instead of having to carry a backpack full of, you know, your, your coolant, your heating, your, your air and whatnot, you would have a little droid that would, you know, a little R2 unit that would follow you around that you would be plugged into. So, makes it a little more maneuverable when you're uh, exploring the surface of Mars or wherever, so you don't have to carry as much shit. You have your little, your own little robot to follow you around to carry all your, all your shit and keep you alive. And also a renewable liquid storage-stable rocket propellant that can be produced on Mars. So, like I said, we can, we've talked about it before, them trying to turn the moon or the Mars into, like, a remote fueling station for future deep space missions. So that's another thing that they've, they're, gonna be funding in the next couple of years well i just came across an interesting piece of article what's that i know you didn't want to really get into the virus shit but how do you feel about drive up gun sales i fully support drive through gun sales so apparently the <laughs> Which is my local gun store just closed because uh, <laughs> they had a bunch of old people working there I'm like, damn it, I need my pew-pews so apparently the atf uh friday um 
issued in a new guidance to federally licensed firearm retailers that dealers can provide drive up or walk up service to reduce health risk by the coronavirus. <laughs> now, the thing that sucks if you don't have a carry permit or something is most of the background check services, um, you know, crashed or, you know, taking longer than usual due to high demand and stuff. But, uh, but you fuckers should have had a carry permit already. <laughs> yeah. If nothing else, as soon as things reopen, get your fucking carry permit, people. And and, and more importantly, learn how to use that new tool yeah. that you've acquired if you don't know how already. Yeah, especially if you're one of these people that have just bought your first gun because all this stuff. The next thing you need to do is get training. Like that's like you know the you know one thing I recommend above all else is like you know anybody can carry a gun, but you need to know how to use it if you're going to actually survive some kind of confrontation well i mean not even to survive the confrontation but you know to keep from doing something stupid yourself that you may not realize is stupid you yeah. know um like I, I you know like unfortunately like so many people have a a you know misconception on well i, I pop the magazine out so it won't fire well that doesn't work for all guns um <laughs> you know the the other thing is uh you know Oh, I'm going to clear my gun, but the magazine's still in it, so all I've done is reloaded. <laughs> and if nothing else, a lot of these classes also involve, you know, stuff about the legalities of self-defense. So you, you know, know when you can. <laughs> well, you know, here's an, uh, another science article. We're, uh, as we're kind of all stuck indoors, uh, astronauts from the space station, I mean, they're the ones that probably know the most about being stuck indoors for long periods of time. And they've offered some, uh, some suggestions of what you can do to, you know, kind of keep going as you're in quarantine. Astronaut Jessica Meir, who is, uh, currently on the international space station. Um, and this is probably one of the things that I've kind of struggled most with without being able to go to the gym as they're like, uh, her and her colleague, uh, Drew Morgan, uh, you know, exercise is still very important. So not only for, you know, maintaining health, but also it has benefits of, you know, mental health as well. Uh, you know, so they, I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, the, the gym is basically their therapy. Exactly. Like I said, I, you know, go to my market. I wish class. I could kind of be one of those people. Yeah. Cause my therapy seems to revolve around the refrigerator and that doesn't bode too well. <laughs> Oh yeah, because that's one thing is I've noticed like these last couple of weeks, not going to the gym, not working. Working out, on my like, quarantine fifteen. It's like I'm, it's like you know, freaking my brain is like hurting from not you know getting out and doing stuff. So yeah, not only because it's going to help you physically, but it also definitely has you know side effects of you know helping your mental health as you're stuck indoors. And you don't, you know, like I said, a lot of us that are have been dependent on a gym. There's stuff you can do uh, do at home. A lot of your gyms are offering virtual classes. You know, you know my martial arts class they do every day. They do like a Facebook Live training session that you can follow along with at home. And now they're doing Zoom classes so there can be more interaction with the students. But you know, you're and you know Amazon's still open. You can order a set of uh, resistance bands if you can't get to your gym and get a halfway decent weight training workout at home with something that folds up into something you can put in a backpack. You know, for, you know, just a couple of resistance bands or, you know, you know, even if you're not in like, say, have property where you can get out and run around your house. I mean, you can do some kind of calisthenics, you know, in your apartment, you know, and get your heart rate up, you know, your old school body weight exercise, push ups, sit ups, running in place, jumping jacks, 
all those things can get you a little bit, uh, you know, at least your heart rate up a little bit and get you some kind of exercise. Or even, like I said, you know, lifting objects around your house or, you know, if you got can get a hold of some resistant bands. So th- those are good things to keep you going in the meantime. Go chop down a back, tree. <laughs> until you can get back in the gym. And uh, that's all I got for you this week. We'll be right back with some news or something similar. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cletus Jacobs. And we're here on the station surviving the coronavirus. Since you guys are probably quarantined there down on Earth, I'll let you know uh, we got DC news, comics, television shows we're going to be talking about every week. Come join us every week on the Earth Station DCU podcast here on the ESO Network. And now it's time for all things nerdy and nerd news. And welcome back. Right, this is where you welcome people back. I, I, fuck it. You Go know, ahead, do it. I, I, and welcome to no news is still news. <laughs> yeah. As you, uh, as you, we've said, like everything's canceled. So there's not a whole lot. There is one new thing before we get into our random discussion and banter. Like we've been doing, there is a new movie coming out on the Netflix, uh, premieres April 24th called extraction. The trailer for that just dropped, and it looks like a pretty badass action movie. Stars uh, Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth, and it's directed by the guys who directed Infinity War, Endgame, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, the but Russo brothers. But this isn't brothers. a Marvel thing, though, no. is it? No. Okay. It's basically Hemsworth is like a, I guess, a mercenary. He's like, in foreign countries where people get kidnapped, he's a guy that they hire to go in and rescue people that are have been kidnapped. So it's an action movie about him trying to rescue some kid that's been kidnapped by like a drug cartel in India, which is I don't think I've seen an action movie set in India. But the freaking yeah, action it looks like pretty legit. Like I said, it's a Russo Brothers film, has Chris Hemsworth. So in a couple weeks, you say India, and I'm like, what do they do? Take him to a call center? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah, so next week there's you something you can uh, <laughs> you can watch uh, so that's about the only new shit coming out well, right now. um you, you said that uh, the Kevin Smith reboot film that's uh that's now on Amazon Prime right yes that's actually free on Prime I watched that the other night so if you didn't because that one came out in a limited theatrical release uh, you either had to see it the one day it was in theaters or had to get tickets to the Jay and Silent Bob reboot roadshow which wanted to go to that but as soon as it was announced it freaking sold out so i did not get to see him when he came to atlanta but now it is uh available to watch if you have a prime membership for free or you can rent it on youtube or wherever for a couple bucks as usual or you can you know, order an actual dvd blu-ray copy from online somewhere but yeah that's you know out now to to watch so yeah that's about uh <laughs> hit in the news um Tried a new cigar uh, last night, which uh, it's probably next week's uh, review cigar, uh, the the Knuckle Duster by Punch. Since we're, you know, we've been we pretty much our go to cigar recently is the Diablo or the Punch Senior Series, and unfortunately, our local shop has ran out of both of those. Uh, so I was like, you know, literally got the first cigar out of the first box as soon as it like came out of the mail. So I was like, all right, this is a gonna be a, a decent cigar. So you'll. Tune in next week for our <laughs> review of that because Brad hasn't had a chance to enjoy that one yet, and we had already purchased tonight's review cigar before <laughs> that came out. Yeah, I will definitely have to make it a uh, 
a thing. I don't know. How many speakeasies are opening? Are you know? How many businesses are going the route of a speakeasy in this time? <laughs> That's the thing, too, man. It's like they've just this shit was supposed to have been at least here in Georgia the mandatory cornhouse has been over by the 15th. Now it's been extended to the 30th. I think, uh, speaking of, you know, rock and roll and, and fueling resistance, I think we're getting to the point people are going to start getting tired of the government telling them what the fuck to do. Yeah. I know I'm to that point. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I see one or I think people are going to reach that mentality, but then you've got a, you know, whole other set of the population that government please continue to tell me what I need to do for safety and they will give up anything to feel safe yeah it's like yeah freaking uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin said anyone who gives up liberty for a small percentage of safety uh, deserves neither liberty nor safety and like I said yeah wash your hands yeah, people but he was maintain social distancing that's good enough. Like, I, well, and I mean, the problem I have is when the government saying, no, you can't work. You can't run your business. Like, fuck off. Like it's the constitution is my, I don't need a, I'm an essential worker, uh, movement pass. I don't, I don't want the Germans going, let me see your papers. I'm like, I don't need it. Like the constitution is my, my freaking travel pass. Motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's definitely a need for safety and concern, but the mandatory, you know, enforcing of, of, I mean, I saw a thing where some guy got arrested for hanging out in an empty park with his kid. Cause, uh, cause park was the park, wherever this was at was supposed to be closed for quarantine. I'm like, so yeah, did they it's... get arrested for hanging out or did they get arrested? Cause the guy, you know, started acting like a douchebag or something like, like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I guess, you know, that's, that's the, like, I feel like we open up too many, author uh, you know, authoritarian doors, you know, where, like, you know, you get some, you know, rookie gun-ho, oh, this is my opportunity to be a real badass, um, you know, and I'll tell you, like, if you approach me in that way, yeah, I'm probably getting arrested because I'm going to be a dick. Oh, yeah, because, like, I mean... if you're just like, hey, I need you to, you know, maintain your social distance or something of that nature, like, you approach me like a professional... Great, I will give you, you know, and cool, we're, we're good. Yeah, but. and like here our local county sheriffs in the surrounding area have all said, hey, there's still a thing called the Constitution. No, we're not going to arrest you for being out because this isn't constitutional. But, yeah, we will. If we see you, we may remind you, hey, man, just be safe. Yeah, wash your hands, stay away from each other. But, yeah, it's like like you said, there's places where people aren't as knowledgeable on the law and <laughs> there's de definitely especially some of these small local governments there's definitely uh uh room for dictator-esque behavior <laughs> looking at you virginia um well okay on a lighter note apparently there's a really popular ice cream at the disney parks called the uh the dole whip and apparently disney has you know released the recipe on how to make the dole whip ice cream now, also they I, put out their churro recipe as well. Like you know, and I've some Disney churros since are the last shit summer. I'm I, like, what I hear, I can't remember having homemade ice cream since I was a kid. So it's like, yeah, as a kid, we used to have one of those like homemade ice cream machines that came in like the wooden bucket thing. And yeah, I haven't made homemade ice cream since I was a kid. Yeah, stuck at home, I can do new hobbies. I may have to go pick one of those up and give like, it a try. Like 
if we're not all like you know a fucking culinary art student by the time this shit is over, we've all failed. Oh fuck yeah! My my wife was making fun of me. She sent me some meme about you know spending uh, your stimulus check on new guns. I'm like, fuck! I may go buy me a damn pellet grill and start doing some smoking. <laughs> Since I got nothing else, to do, I'd, I'd love to do some, some learn how to grill some meat while I'm stuck at the house. I I, I feel like that's a absolute man skill that is required in life. I mean, yeah, it's been a, like yeah, I I've grilled some things on an old charcoal grill, but it's been a long time since so I've done any smoking and stuff so yeah it's definitely something i need to uh, or non-cigar smoking (laughs) i'm about to put um 100 pounds of deer meat in my freezer fuck yes when am i coming over (laughs) (laughs) we're social distancing fool i'll stand six feet away just hand me my plate (laughs) (laughs) oh it's kind of funny like the the way people are getting inventive to maintain the the social distance stuff too like uh you oh, the, know, I, I've seen like, you know, churches and, you know, especially this being done on Easter Sunday, right? Like, you know, people of faith and that's what, but you know, it's like, all right, time to, you know, pass the collection cup or something. And they're using shovels and shit. So that way everybody can be, you know, six feet away. Uh, and I saw some old guy who made a hat out of like pool noodles that had like six foot poles sticking out from it. So people couldn't get, in, get near him. I saw a, uh, we talked about homemade masks, uh, earlier, some lady made a mask with uh, a... From a distance, it looks like some kind of cool design, but when you get close up, you realize it's a whole bunch of little dicks. She said, if anybody gets close enough to see what's actually on my face, I know they're within the six foot. they got to back up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing you can fault. Google uh, homemade protection uh, equipment fails, because they are just... I fell down a rabbit hole on Facebook looking at pictures of people wearing dumb things as homemade self-protection that is absolutely hilarious. And hell, all us, you know... The fucking five oh first guys are like we've been waiting for this forever, so I can wear my stormtrooper outfit to Walmart now because <laughs> this is my safety equipment. Uh, I mean, I mean, there was I saw one guy wearing a scuba mask with like a, a fucking coffee filter over the snorkel as his uh, <laughs> as his mask. It was just just around the tip of the snorkel. <laughs> it was, I mean, yeah, it's like the the I don't know, ridiculous. I think- panic shit people are well, wearing. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think hilarious. at some point, like, you gotta bring some comedy, you know, into things, and, uh, you know, it just... Yeah, I've, I've, all the times I've gone out, I've not worn a mask, I've not worn gloves, I got a, a little thing of hand sanitizer in my pocket, give it a squirt every once in a while, but, yeah, some people are, like, just... And like you've said, like, they're using it incorrectly, because they're wearing their gloves all day and touching everything, so all you're doing is spreading shit you're touching. <laughs> I saw a picture of one guy trying to use his cell phone, took his rubber glove off, and was holding it in his mouth while he was working his cell phone. I'm like, yeah, dude, you just uh, uh, completely fucked that one up there. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, you know... Like, like, we've used the analogy before. It's great to have a first aid kit. It's great to have a tourniquet. It's great to have, you know, these things. If you don't understand how to use any of those tools, though... It's like like we said, if you're going to carry a gun, learn how to use it. If you're going to carry medical equipment, take some kind of medical class and learn how to use... I mean, I've got tourniquets and everything else in my car. I've not taken a medical class yet, but it's on one of those... It's on my to-do list of training that I, that I plan to get in the near future. You know, but at least I've watch some YouTube videos of how to properly use the well, equipment and, I have. And I mean, you and I both have attended, you know, at least get some kind several, of, you know, panels and yeah. stuff involving. You don't have to be an expert, but at least try to get proficient in whatever equipment you're, you're carrying. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, do what you feel is best for yourself, but, you know, like, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I saw a thing, you know, and, uh, you know, this coming from my retail experience working in delis and that sort of shit, and it's like, you definitely see the people that have never taken, you know, one of the Serb Safe Food Certification classes. <laughs> like, like, I feel like that should almost be mandatory. Like, there should be a URL or something where, you know, if you're going to buy this box of, you know, gloves, you need to take this course. Or, <laughs> like, oh. you know, show, it's, it's show, stop littering, man. There's freaking damn rubber gloves in the parking lot everywhere. I'm like, motherfuckers, don't be douchebags. Like, throw shit in a proper garbage can. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know. Nobody needs that that cross contamination, everything of that nature. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's crazy times. So I don't know. Yeah, I saw a story the other day. It was like New York and L.A. have released uh, all kinds of prisoners from prisons to uh, stop them from getting sick, and crime has gone up in New York and L.A. Huh? I wonder uh, why that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're gonna release you just to put you back yeah i mean which i i get it you know if you're holding somebody on fucking misdemeanor weed or something of that nature yeah fucking you know cut ties you know and and, and there's a guy released from prison that like went and robbed a bank it's like dumbasses you know there's yeah it's like oh people are getting dumber and dumber i think it's like we've yeah all these people are like, man, I'm definitely surviving the uh, the zombie apocalypse. Like, nope, this has been a test run for the zombie apocalypse. You can't handle a minor flu. We're all fucked if the if a uh, real like bleeding from your asshole type uh, man, uh, pandemic breaks so out. So I've fallen down a YouTube hit, you know hole, and um, you know I can't remember the the channel's name, but it's basically like why you would or were not would not survive. You know, whether it's a video game or, like, The Walking <laughs> Dead or, like, the different zombie viruses. So, you know, they, they're like, why you would not survive... Or why you probably would survive a Walking Dead-style zombie apocalypse. Why you would not survive a 28 Days Later, you know, um, zombie Yeah, my, I'm definitely not like, up on my cardio. I can, I can deal with some slow-moving Walking Dead zombies, but if we get those, uh, the, the fucking running zombies, I'm like, yep, I'm fucked. I'm good till I run out of ammo, but if I have to run for my life, we're in trouble. <laughs> But I mean, Zombieland actually brought something, and I, and I kind of missed it too. But the fucking zombies were like actually using like tools and shit to break in. Like, hadn't really you know seen that before. <laughs> yeah, the smart zombie is uh, which some of the later Romero movies that like, like the as the zombie virus uh, evolved, the zombies got smarter and it's like oh. And I tell you one thing, you know, speaking of finding, spending this time finding random shit on Netflix. Uh, uh, Doomsday Preppers is on Netflix. Yeah, I kind of made fun of that show when it was on, but now it's like, oh, damn, this is educational programming. I'm going to sit here and watch all this shit. <laughs> I mean, I always thought it was kind of intriguing. Like, you know, like... I, You know, honestly, what I think it boils down to, why most people don't take preparations, is because they're not in a financial... or they don't feel like they're in a financial, you know, place to do so, or they don't prioritize it. But... Yeah, I'm kind of wondering. I definitely now, can't like, afford to do all the prepping I want to do, but a lot of the stuff I've looked at recently, a lot of the 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 trainers and stuff that I follow, they're like, you don't have to buy a year's worth of food at once. Sound like stock in your humidor? Buy a couple extra things every time you go out and just put that away. 
Like, you know, you buy your normal groceries, let me spend an extra $20 and buy some shit that's got, like, long shelf Don't do life. that now, though. And, yeah. You gotta wait, we gotta wait till the stores are stocked <laughs> yeah. again. But, yeah, you can make, kind of, prioritize your shit and make, like, you know, just kind of small deposits in your survival plan as you go. And, you know, over time, six months, a year, you can be fully stocked. You don't have to spend all that money at once. Hell, here in Georgia, we have a prepper store in Marietta. It's, like true prep or something that sells oh, yeah. a lot of these like survival kits and, and whatnot. And like I said, you know, Amazon's still working. Amazon's still making delivery. So, so I mean, a lot of the shit you can get online. And, um, speaking of like we earlier, we had recommend, uh, gun training and stuff. We should it, definitely do like an MRE t- tasting or something. <laughs> like, And last training class I went to, I bought some MREs to eat for lunch and like, they weren't that bad. I used to eat them all the time when I was doing paintball and shit where we'd like 24 hour, out in the field playing paintball, it's like it was easy to pack. I didn't have to refrigerate anything. <laughs> didn't have but, to worry about pooping for a week either. So yeah, that helps. Uh, but uh, uh, the, you know, if like I said, you, if you can't get out and take any classes right now, uh, uh, there's a YouTube series. Uh, a guy, a trainer, uh, Warrior Poet Society. He's just started his own kind of streaming service. Uh, it's like if you join now, it's it's it, it launches June first. It's like seventy nine dollars a year. Uh, but it's going to be like an online Netflix type thing, but it's going to have some like original entertainment program, but it's going to have a lot of like training videos and whatnot. So that's some way if you can't get out and take an actual class right now, sign up for some kind of like online training like that, where, you know, you can kind of at least learn some, you know, basics at home with some like dry practice, you know, um, at least have like a little bit of basic knowledge of how to use your tools until you can, go take some live fire training somewhere. And like I said, YouTube is your friend right now. If you want to pick up a new skill, I think we said that last week, there's, there's tons of tons of research you can do. Just kind of, you know, be careful that you're not learning from an idiot, you know, <laughs> do some Google and find out if these people that your videos you're watching actually know what the fuck they're talking about. Or if everyone in the training community is like, Oh no, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> Don't do that. It'll get you guilt. Uh, so as we kind of wrap up this episode, any any final thoughts, uh, Brad? Anything you want to shout out there? Shout to the devil! Shout! Shout! Shout at the devil! And with that, check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network at ESOPodcast, or ESONetwork.com. Uh, you can get your shirts at RealMenSmokeCigars.com. You can get your energy drinks at um, the, the strikeforceenergy.com use your promo code cigar nerds for 20% off your order. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at cigar nerd pod. And hell, maybe we'll schedule like a fucking live stream or something and, and do like a virtual smoke up so we can all do some virtual social, uh, interaction. If you're like me and about to go crazy from not seeing people. Um, and with that smoke them, if you got them. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We are your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.